Our first reading for this afternoon is from the fifth chapter of First Kings. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father, for Hiram always loved David. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord, my God, has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord, my God, as the Lord said to David, my father, your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, shall build the house for my name. Now, therefore, command that cedars of Lebanon be cut for me, and my servants will join your servants. And I will pay you for your servants such wages as you set, for you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. As soon as Hiram heard the words of Solomon, he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, who has given to David a wise son to be over this great people. And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have heard the message that you have sent to me. I am ready to do all you desire in the matter of cedar and cypress timber. My servants shall bring it down to the sea from Lebanon, and I will make it into rafts to go by sea to the place you direct. And I will have them broken up there, and you shall receive it. You shall meet my wishes by providing food for my household. So Hiram supplied Solomon with all the timber of cedar and cypress that he desired, while Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household, 20,000 cores of beaten oil. Solomon gave this to Hiram year by year. The Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon. The two of them made a treaty. King Solomon drafted forced labor out of all Israel, and the draft numbered 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. They would be a month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the draft. Solomon also had 70,000 burden bearers and 80,000 stone cutters in the hill country, besides Solomon's 3,300 chief officers who were over the work, who had charge of the people who carried on the work. At the king's command, they quarried out great, costly stones in order to lay the foundation of the house with dressed stones. So Solomon's builders, and Hiram's builders, and the men of Gebal did the cutting and prepared the timber and the stone to build the house. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Our second reading is from the first and second chapters of Second Corinthians. But I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. 
Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. For you stand firm in your faith. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? And I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you, and my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it, not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, for he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake and the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, Even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. And among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, the sight of God we speak in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation of the Ten Commandments with the fourth. What is the fourth commandment? Honor your father and your mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. Grace, mercy, and peace to you. From God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We all grew up knowing what the fourth commandment was. It was usually our parents who were teaching it to us. How convenient. There's a commandment that deals with parents and children. They love it, right? But I love Luther's uh, meaning that he ascribed to this commandment. Because it's not just dealing with parents. He said this. We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities. But honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. We have many other authorities in our lives, probably too many to even count, from the person who may oversee us at work, all the way up to our governing authorities. 
And uh, these are the ones that Luther often spoke about. I know when we speak about the government, it's almost like a running joke in our society and probably others that they're the butt of many jokes, aren't they? You love to hate the government. Who doesn't love to badmouth the government a bit? Everyone will be nodding their heads before you know it. Is that really how we should be regarding our governments? Fourth commandment would say no. It's not how they should be treated. And there have been far worse governments throughout history than our own, no matter which political party you may ascribe to. And others that have asked a lot of their people over the years. Just take uh, the reading that we had today, King Solomon. He's building the temple of God. Wonderful undertaking. But it didn't come cheaply. And uh, it didn't come just by waving a magic wand. It happened through a lot of work. Here's what our passage for today said. King Solomon drafted forced labor out of all Israel. And the draft numbered 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. There would be a month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the draft. Solomon also had 70,000 burden bearers and 80,000 stone cutters in the hill country, besides Solomon's 3,300 chief officers who were over the work. King Solomon, did you catch the wording? Drafted forced labor. It's number one, a draft. Who likes that word, right? Forced labor is almost outlawed. They had no choice in the matter. They were coming to do this work whether they wanted to or not. And most likely, if they didn't want to, there's a solution. They would probably have been imprisoned or killed. End of discussion. That's the government. 30,000 men. I mean, we can gloss over these numbers so much. It's kind of shocking. 30,000 men, 70,000 additional burden bearers. These were the men who just carried things. 30,000 men went into Lebanon to basically cut down trees. 80,000 stone cutters. The temple in Jerusalem was massive, and it was made of stone. Cut stone, most expensive stone. If you add up all of these people, roughly 180,000 people doing all this work of building this one temple, and they were forced to do it, just for a little bit of Measurement here at the height of our wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, even then, we were at max at 100,000 soldiers who were working and fighting for those, that, those efforts. We're at 180,000 people from a very tiny country. This would have been incredibly invasive in your life. And if you did you catch that? They would send them away to Lebanon for ships. 
So you'd go and work for a month, then you'd come back for two months, then you went back to Lebanon for a month, then you came back home for two months, then you went back for another month. And this kept going on year to year. Very intrusive. Was there any grumbling? Were there any malcontents who left, who avoided this service to their government? Maybe. If so, the scriptures just don't record it, but very often the the scriptures do enjoy actually recording those little tasty tidbits. Or, out of these 180,000 people, they all choose to honor their governing authorities, even when it inconvenienced them, even when maybe they didn't disagree with it. I mean, it would have been an inconvenience being gone for a month and then home for two months and gone for a month. Just ask the spouse who was left behind, or the children who were left behind, or the fields and crops that still had to be tended in Israel. This was massive. Did they grumble? Did they complain? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe they honored their authorities. Paul wrote about this topic in Romans chapter 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. Those that exist have been instituted by God. It's hard for sometimes us to... uh, Embrace that, especially when you look over history and think of some governments that are really tyrants to their own people, murdered their own people, did terrible things in the world, and yet they were still put in place by God. We have this interesting prayer we say almost every week in church. We pray for our governing authorities. But the prayer is written in in this way. That they would use, here's the wording. We pray for our governing authorities that they would use the authority entrusted to them honorably and for the good of the people. All governments have authority. It has been entrusted to them. That's a beautiful word, entrusted. Meaning, God has given them authority For a time. Their authority is on loan. It's not forever. And we know that there will be a one day when the Christ returns. And he is the final authority. And he holds all authority over all things. And on the day that he returns, all governments and all governing authorities will be non-existent anymore. They just won't be needed anymore. Because it will be the Christ, the Lamb who was slain, who now lives and reigns. And that day will come for all of us at some time. But it's good for us to keep in mind that until that time comes, it is God who has entrusted these governments with authority. And we pray to them, for them, that they would use them that authority, honorably. Because it's just been entrusted to them. It's been loaned to them. That's the best way to to word it, actually. It's very true. It's on loan. 
And one day, what has been loaned to them will return back to God, who gave it to them in the first place. Until that day comes, we pray for our governing authorities, that they may indeed serve their people according to God's holy will and for the furthering of God's will and desires in this world. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses understanding, Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.